Welcome back, everybody, to the Luke Beasley Show. It is so great to be with you on this Friday. We have made it through another week of American politics. Um, as most of you know, I was guest hosting the David Pakman Show for the last couple of days. And so um, if you're not already a viewer, viewer of both shows, make sure to jump over to his channel if you want to get the full amount of content you deserve, because um, that's what I've been up to the last couple of days. It turned out to be just a little bit too much to do his full show his bonus show, and my own show, all fresh content, all new stories. So uh, just focus in on that, and you can definitely hop over there and get a bunch of content from the last couple of days on his channel. And now I'm back here, and for today, because I did do a show um, on the David Pacman show today, I'm not going to double up stories. So if you're wondering why I'm not covering something on this main show, it's because it's probably over there. But still, lots to discuss um, here, so let's do it. Republican Senator Ted Cruz is facing a Democratic challenger, of course, in his upcoming 2024 Senate race. And I have for you, um, and that's Colin Allred, by the way, I have for you a new PAC, a political action committee, the Lose Cruise PAC, love it, uh, dropped its first campaign ad against Ted Cruz. And while I'll be completely honest, this is a really difficult uh odds against us type campaign it is still so great to see people out there ready to fight against ted cruz and try to get him out of office um and get colin all into office and so i'll show you this ad uh like i said the lose cruise pack putting it out take a look you should be deeply concerned about the damage being done to the integrity of the institutions in which you operate and as you can tell this is an audio recording i'll start this from the beginning of ted cruz and it's the whole ad is structured around saying these words should be directed at you, Ted Cruz, um, even though you're the one saying them. And then for our podcast listeners, you can just imagine words are being put up on screen and their questions to Ted Cruz. At the end, it'll say, look in the mirror, Ted Cruz, and then headlines from articles about his anti-democratic actions. You should be deeply concerned about the damage being done to the integrity of the institutions in which you operate. Politicization and weaponization. This is profoundly damaging to the rule of law in our nation. This is why you are damaging the institution. Unlimited hubris. You believe you are unaccountable. You don't believe you're accountable to the American people. And like I said, it ends with look in the mirror, Ted. And those words definitely do apply to him, what he was saying to someone else for sure. Um, and it's centered around his role, both with what happened on January 6th, but more specifically his effort in his role as a senator to object to the election results and attempt to prevent Joe Biden from becoming president despite winning a free and fair election. And I do think, um, and we will get to a little bit here from Colin Allred in a bit, but I do think the message um, is really important to put out in this election of how extreme Ted Cruz is specifically on the issue of democracy and specifically zeroing in on what January 6th was and as I always say what it also represented and what it was going alongside of um, because January 6th horrible and also the reason that January 6th happened was because of lies that were the same lies that Trump was using to um, justify attempting to install himself president despite losing an election and coming up with, we're seeing some revelations right now with this investigation into this effort, but coming up with the, um, or subscribing to 
the plan to have fake electors and Mike Pence for rejecting the results or pretending that these false electors were the real ones to pretend that Trump actually won and then justify him just staying in the White House, staying president. That would have been a coup and it was a coup attempt, a non-military coup attempt. And all of that, Ted Cruz was right on board. And a part of that was him um, objecting to the certification of Biden's win. And that I think is important to focus in on because for a good bit of what I would call independent or moderate Republican Texans, that is something that I think can resonate. Because if you're just talking about policy, maybe Colin Allred is too liberal for some of these moderate Republicans or independents, or maybe Ted Cruz, oh, he's, is he just a normal Republican? I don't know. But if you call out for these decider voters, and we also need to motivate Democratic turnout, but then um, those kind of in the middle, you you uh, zero in on the fact that Ted Cruz, he's not someone that you can look at and ignore the extremist characteristic um, of who he is and what he's done, especially in recent years, going along with Trump's anti-democratic actions. And there are people, as someone who lives in Texas myself, um, who are really turned off by that extremism with a lot of these candidates. They were okay with kind of the Republican Party of the past, and uh, they're not so okay with the Marjorie Green Republican Party. And so if you can call out for them, Ted Cruz is a Marjorie Green Republican, even though he delivers things a little differently. And he is perfectly fine with overthrowing a Democratic election for the purposes of keeping Trump in power. He did go along with that. Um, and that should be something that is constantly brought up and constantly in the minds of Texas voters. Hopefully it'll make a difference. And then... Um, as I said, here's Colin Allred on MSNBC. Well, Texans can't afford six more years of Ted Cruz. I've had a lot of titles. I've been an NFL linebacker, civil rights lawyer, Obama appointee, congressman. But the most important one is dad. And when I thought about this, I thought, I don't want my boys to have Ted Cruz as their senator for the next six years. That's why I decided to get in this race. He's somebody who led the insurrection. I was there about 50 feet away when he objected to the results uh, in Arizona. What's the junior senator from Texas doing caring about that? I don't know. Hmm. Uh, I remember when you know, our state had a statewide freeze and when Texans were freezing in the dark, he decided that was a good time to go on vacation to Cancun. We know who this guy is. He's looking out only for himself. I have a very different story, but a very different Texas. Well, And I show that to you just in case you're not familiar with Colin Allred to give you a sense, but then also because he touches on the January 6th and related insurrection, anti-democratic um, effort. And by the way, the reason why I always word it that way is because now there's this talking point and this sentiment of, yeah, I agree January 6th was bad, but that was one day. There's lots of riots, you know, there's lots of damage. And what is important is always to recognize what did occur, and that's crucial. But it was so much more than that because it was the culmination of and the climax of something even larger and something that if it would have succeeded would have been the end of American democracy. Trump would have stayed present despite losing. That's not how democracies work, right? If he had gotten um, his plan through, and I've talked about previously, there are journalists who have um, done extensive reporting on just how close we came and how dangerous of a moment we were um, because of how close we came to not seeing the peaceful transition of power. That's something everyone should care about. And um, that's why I think it's important to bring up time and time again, especially with those who were very much, very prominently on board with these anti-democratic attempts, which, which Ted Cruz was. Um, but then that's kind of a very grand example of failure of leadership and failure in your position as a senator. In a democracy, 
number one, you must protect that democracy, right? But then, as Colin Allred pointed out, at the most basic level, so at the most grand level, but then at the most basic level, a crisis is going on in your state and you don't have the character to just be there, to just stay and not want to go on a vacation. So the most, uh, on I should say, on every level, Ted Cruz has failed and that should be called out. And I love that Colin Allred is doing it. And hopefully, by some miracle, he'll be able, uh, be able to defeat Ted Cruz. This is super random, but I just wanted to toss it into the show. Uh, Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg are apparently planning to do an actual cage fight, like a UFC style fight fight, physical fight. They have some uh, beef or something, and they're going to work it out in the ring. At least that's what they're pretending. Maybe it's just all talk, but uh, we'll see as we discuss this story. So this is from CNN Business. Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg say they're ready for a cage fight. Business uh, rivalry seemingly isn't enough for two of the tech industry's most powerful billionaires. Now Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg say they want to settle their scores in a cage fight. Twitter owner and Tesla CEO Musk uh, recently tweeted that he would be up for a cage fight with Zuckerberg, the CEO of Meta. In an Instagram story Wednesday, Zuckerberg fired back by posting a screenshot of Musk's tweet overlay with the caption, send me location. Musk then responded to a tweet about the fight by Alex Health, editor of Tech News uh, website Verge, with Vegas Octagon, a reference to the Las Vegas arena that hosts the Ultimate Fighting Championship. So you see that and you kind of think, Number one, why? But uh, number two, that has to just be all talk, right? And I say once again, this is just a completely random, unimportant story, but we're throwing it in here on um, a Friday. And Dana White got asked about this, by the way. I really don't like Dana White, in case you're wondering. Um, And apparently he thinks it's actually going to happen. And Dana White is the head or president CEO of of UFC. Can we be excited about this? Is there a possibility this is really going to happen? Well, just to, just to give some clarification. So what he said is Mark Zuckerberg responded with send me location, which is something that Habib Nurmagomedov says when people challenge him. So that, that was what send me location meant. And uh, I was talking to both Elon and uh, Mark last night. Both guys are absolutely dead serious about this. Now, wait, wait, wait. Can we can, uh, how I, do you, tell us why you say that? Because they both said, yeah, we'll do it. <laughs> they both want to do it. Mark Zuckerberg hit me up first and said, is he serious? And I said, I don't know. Let me ask him. I asked him and he said, yeah, I'm dead serious. You know, um, you know, obviously, for, for and I agree with you, Harvey, this would be the biggest fight ever in the history of the world. Um, bigger than anything that's ever been done it would break all pay-per-view records these guys would raise you know hundreds of millions of dollars for charity and uh you know you don't have to be a fight fan to be interested in this fight so uh this most recent spark i think has to do with uh the most recent debacle that they've been caught up in has to do with Mark Zuckerberg planning to possibly destroy Musk's Twitter with this um, kind of remake of Twitter over on the meta side with Instagram, if I'm not mistaken, integrating that to a Twitter type 
platform something within that i don't know some competitor to twitter is going to be created under the umbrella of meta and that possibly has to do with what the the rage is going back and forth and i will say in principle and i stand by this i believe that it is not good to promote the idea that the way we resolve conflicts in life is through physical altercation also i would happen to be very interested if this ended up happening um seeing two billionaires who aren't fighters i know mark zuckerberg has uh mixed martial arts training of some sort but they're not fighters fighting one another would be pretty wild two of the richest people on the planet um but overall it seems a little unnecessary still notable and definitely very interesting we'll see where it goes well ron DeSantis is um when I say his name, what do you think this segment's going to be about? Well, there's probably a title on the video clicked on, but if you're watching or listening to the full show, you don't know yet. What do you think Ron DeSantis is angry at right now? Say it with me. Woke. <laughs> um, his war on woke continues. And now he's a little defensive because people, not that he's thinking of me in particular, but people such as myself um, constantly make fun of his obsession with woke because it all is just this nebulous fight against a boogeyman that um, the right wing is obsessed with right now. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. Woke had a meaning. It kind of had to do with being aware of social injustices and wanting to address them. But now it's just become whatever the right wing is upset with um, that day. That's woke. And woke's the biggest threat to America. And it's very silly. Um, and Ron Sanders is hearing that apparently and is very defensive and in the clip i'm going to show you he's trying to beg people to understand no my fight against woke it matters okay it matters i'm doing a good thing here uh take a look and some people say not to worry about woke that me that it's not something that we should be concerned of first of all having a society that's rooted in truth is important don't tell me that a man can get pregnant and expect me to accept that. I will not accept that, and we cannot have a society that accepts that. But even aside from that, don't think that woke doesn't have an impact on your life and will really be able to have a devastating impact if it takes hold even further. When woke takes our economy by things like ESG, the average person becomes poorer as a result of that. When woke overtakes the education system, the average student becomes dumber as a result of that. When woke overtakes our criminal justice system, like it has in San Francisco, like it has in Los Angeles, the average person becomes less safe in their communities as a result in it. Don't tell, <laughs> Don't tell me to stop talking about woke. Uh, he started it by saying it's important to have a society uh, something like this that is built on a foundation of truth. I agree. And that's why I'm opposed to your party that has convinced 63% of its voters to believe that an election that was free and fair was stolen. Maybe you focus on that. That seems like a pretty prominent um, case of the truth not being prioritized in a political movement. But then what he's talking about with wokeness makes education bad. Wokeness makes... Um, communities poorer and wokeness makes crime worse and whatever it might be i covered uh when guest hosting for the david packman show 
the San Francisco video he posted that was really strange. You can go watch my segment on that. But what I was talking about is when Republicans come in and try to say that, look at all these horrible places that are um, going to hell because of the terrible liberal woke policies like San Francisco and New York City. They always ignore that any of the metrics they would use to say that in any objective sense of a crime rate or of a poverty rate or whatever. There are so many red areas that have far worse problems on those very same metrics, right? And so when he talks about wokeness is destroying education, really? Why is it that uh, blue states then have disproportionately better education systems when they're ranked? Or wokeness is causing high crime really then why is it that in 2020 the study we've talked about that was done showed that red states that voted for donald trump in the 2020 election had a 40 percent higher homicide rates than blue states that voted for joe biden hmm and whatever it might be it makes infrastructure bad why is proportionately um it the case that blue states see higher rankings on infrastructure scores so all of these things it's just a vague gesture towards we don't like woke. It's not actually tapping into real numbers, raw data. And that's why I talked about with this video he posted uh, in San Francisco in some alleyway saying, see, this is the result of liberal policies. Um, but then you go compare Florida cities, for example, looking at homicide rates again and San Francisco, which blue areas definitely have problems, but uh, San Francisco has a lower homicide rate than Jacksonville, Florida, for example. So why not care about something a little closer to home, Ron DeSantis? Is that a result of your horrible Republican policies? Oh, no, it's not. So it's really dishonest and it's lazy. That's what I would kind of characterize all this as. It's so lazy because they've created now a way to never have to actually have a substantive argument they don't have to dive into, well, why would this city see these results and this state see these results? And why is poverty disproportionately higher in red states? Why is it that out of the top 10 highest poverty states in the country, nine out of 10 of them are red states? Why is that? Hmm. It's not to make fun. It's not to say we don't care. It's just to say this is the result, clearly, um, or at least the reality, clearly. And there seems to be a very common thread through some of these uh, trends we see within our reality and the political um, umbrella above it. And so instead of engaging with that, he can just say, woke bad, woo, and people will cheer. Very strange. Chris Christie has been very, very effectively and entertainingly um, attacking Donald Trump. And during a recent speech, and I will do my normal um, caveat up front, y'all know lots of things to be critical of Chris Christie over, including the fact that he supported Trump, stood by Trump in 2016, but now that he is speaking out against Trump, he is doing it in a really good way. Stylistically, even, it's really good to see. Um, and because of how rare that is, excuse me, not just the criticism of Trump within the Republican Party, but an effective and well-delivered criticism of Trump within the Republican Party, it is notable and that's why we're talking about it so during a recent speech at the faith and freedom coalition event um he was correctly criticizing trump and the audience started booing him um but i like the way that he handled it take a look i'm running because he's let us down 
He has let us down because he's unwilling. He's unwilling to take responsibility for any of the mistakes that were made, any, uh, any of the faults that he has, and any of the things that he's done. And that is not leadership, everybody. That is a failure of leadership. And I, you can boo all you want, but here's the thing. Our faith teaches us that people have to take responsibility for what they do. People have to stand up and take accountability for what they do. And I, I cannot stand by, and as soon as I've started to be critical, after all of that, and after you offered me White House Chief of Staff, now what he does is call me names. True. I'll show you another clip as he's walking out of this event, um, going after Trump more. But he's one of the rare Republicans who is effectively doing it within the primary, not the whole party, but within the Republican presidential primary, which is so strange because Trump is polling so much higher than everyone else. And so the only way you would think that you would change that reality would be to do something, point out to people that Trump shouldn't be the nominee, but instead they just kind of stand there and say, I'm kind of good and they'll likely poke or lightly poke Trump. Um, but you know, I'm over here and he's all right, but I'm over here. Well, he's crushing in the polls. So nothing's going to change unless you change it. Um, but the unfortunate thing about this is Chris Christie, because of his criticism of Trump and because of how reasonable he is, at least on our metrics, he's not going to be successful. I would put a lot of money, unfortunately, on him doing very, very poorly in this primary, even though when you look at the options, he is more on the side when you think about a spectrum reasonable to not reasonable more in the direction of reasonable especially compared to trump huge policy differences we would get into so many different debates if we talked about all these different subjects um within the political realm but at least he goes about it in a way that is way more reasonable than so many of the other candidates and for that reason and this is a sad reality he's not going to be successful within this okay. current uh, sorry, within this current MAGA Republican Party. And then here's him walking out of this event. People of faith in that room who want to hear the truth. And look, guys, we can't pretend that Donald Trump is a man of character. This is a guy who paid off a porn star. This is a guy who has regularly lied. This is a guy who's abused people who've worked for him. I mean, I consider myself, now that he's taken off on me, I'm happy to be with Rex Tillerson and with Jim Mattis, and with John Kelly, and with Mark Esper, and with Bill Barr, who he called a gutless pig. I mean, these, this is not character. And what I was trying to make sure I emphasize to those folks in there is, if we are people of faith, the absolute, one of the cornerstones to faith is character. And it is, it is an absolute lack of character. This guy offered me White House Chief of Staff, and then was on a podcast yesterday saying he never trusted me. Well, what does that make him, a liar or an idiot? It's one or the other. Because if you offer me chief of staff and you never trusted me, then you're an idiot. And if you did trust me enough to offer me chief of staff, then you're a liar. Either way, I don't think that's the kind of person we want behind the desk in the Oval Office. Agreed. Uh, yeah, and that point we talked about previously, more on this, the fact that all these Trump supporters witness person after person go in and work with Trump, whether it be the administration or they were just in his circle in some capacity, 
and then pop out and say, holy smokes, this guy is a disaster, a threat. And they see that and think all of those people were always liberals and rhinos or something. Um, and Trump, how, what, if you think he's hiring horrible rhinos, why does he have such a bad judgment then? Why is he picking all of these dishonest people that he never trusted that are so ready to stab him in the back and um, all of it? Why, why is that then? Why is he so bad at hiring that all these people pop out and say horrible things about him? Or is the one guy the common variable and everyone else might be a little bit more um, honest? If he is having all these experiences, maybe it's him and not them. And that's something that so many Trump supporters just will not accept. Well, Lauren Boebert as we've been covering, is pushing to impeach President Joe Biden over the border. Um, and this whole thing is just a political stunt to get her attention. Of course, of course, of course, she saw Marjorie Greene introducing her articles of impeachment and getting some Im interviews. And so she was going to do it. And now they're angry at each other because Marjorie Greene's mad at her for taking the idea. Chaos. Um, but Lauren Boebert did an interview on Hannity to explain why she's pushing for this. Now the articles of impeachment are going to be forwarded to committee. She was trying to force it to the floor, but it's going to be sent to uh, committees to be worked out there. It's all completely ridiculous, uh, but we'll discuss that more after this. Comes around earlier today, Congresswoman from Colorado, Lauren Boebert, introduced articles of impeachment against Joe Biden, citing a dereliction of duty, abuse of power over the out-of-control border crisis. The House ultimately voted along party lines to refer the articles to both the Homeland Security and Judiciary Committees. Congresswoman Boebert joins us now with more details. Uh, Congresswoman... I tend to agree that if a president takes a pledge to uphold the Constitution, that means the laws of our country and you don't get to pick and choose what you uh, want to enforce. And that's exactly what he's done down at the border. But I, I do feel I need to give you a chance to respond to Professor Dershowitz if you heard him. Uh, yes, I did hear uh, the professor and the founders designed impeachment as a built in accountability mechanism for such a time as this. When a president is ignoring the duly enacted laws passed by Congress, then it's our duty to act and be that check and balance on the executive. By deliberately choosing to ignore congressional enacted laws, Biden is trampling on our Constitution. Congress's job is to pass the law. The president's job is to enforce it. Full stop. By unilaterally nullifying border security laws, Joe Biden has threatened our constitutional separation of powers and his oath of office. All right. Let's Why do people allow their leaders, their news anchors, their politicians to do that? Just spew dishonesty. I don't care. Just tell me whatever. I don't care about the facts. It's wild. <laughs> um, Sean Hannity, for example easiest job on the planet he, he can just make up whatever he wants on the spot oh biden's open the border and he's not enforcing laws and lauren bober can go heck yeah he's not enforcing laws evidence question mark imagine that imagine the ease in which sean hannity can go on television and just say whatever he'd like welcome back to the sean hannity program today the sky is red don't look at it don't it, it, but it's just trust me it's red oh grass purple today as is my new phrase. Um, the grass is indeed purple. Just don't go outside and look at it, but you can trust me. Sean Hannity out. That's pretty easy. 
Because you don't have to put in the work to go look at the grass and make sure you're telling the correct facts. You don't have to go put in the work to look at the sky. The analogy, of course, is when you care about facts, speaking as someone who also does a show on a smaller scale than the audience that Sean Hannity has um, for now, but, but still, it takes work to make sure for that audience and that platform, only accurate information is put out. And whenever something small is wrong, it's devastating. Sean Hannity? Heck no. He doesn't need any of that stress. Now, it's strange he doesn't have the stress of, and Lauren Boebert doesn't have the stress of lying in bed every single night thinking about how dishonest they are. But if you can get rid of any of that integrity, then you can have the easiest job in the world. You don't have to do any research. You don't have to go understand topics. You don't have to get a sense of and understanding of complex subjects we deal with on a daily basis so that you know you're providing information and presenting information correctly. Nah, none of that. You don't have to do that. You can just say whatever attacks the other side the most and whatever fits your political narrative. Just one example now, while we're on this, and then we'll get to another clip. There was one time where, um, it wasn't today, by the way. I cited another one of these statistics correctly today. I said 9 out of 10 um, red states, or 9 out of 10 of the highest poverty states are red states. That's correct. Um, and most of the ones I've, I've outlined on that are absolutely correct. There was one time where I said 8 out of 10 instead of 7 out of 10 for some other thing we were talking about. Um, or seven instead of six, whatever it was, it was one off. And I said it in the direction on accident that would strengthen my argument, right? It was like eight out of 10 red states had some bad statistic um, or eight out of 10 of the worst on this metric were red states or something like that. And it was actually seven. And I uploaded the video and I was thinking to myself, wait, was eight that other metric? And I looked it up and it was, and I got it one off. And I was so devastated because <laughs> I was thinking, Imagine you're watching the show, listening to the show, and you go out in your life and you cite that, and then it's wrong. I would never want to do that to you, number number one. Number two, I just care about being correct. I want to know things, so I want to be accurate on those things. And I was thinking about that night. I was thinking about the next morning. Sean Hannity has never had that experience because he can just say, nope, it's three out of 10 now or 35 out of 10. It doesn't matter. And that's the world that so many people live in when they watch someone like Sean Hannity or Lauren Boebert go on television and say, the border's open, even though we can't point to specifics as to how that is the case. The only thing they're pointing at is uh, high border crossing numbers, which we've talked about in the past, why that is. And there are um, reasons and variables as to why we've seen an increase after COVID. COVID is one of the reasons created a backlog um, and we kind of saw a spike and now we're seeing a decrease. But if we want to have conversations about real problems that do exist with our southern border, humanitarian problems, logistical, how I always break it down, we need to address in a humane way um, the the individuals who are coming across the southern border and then also invest in our legal immigration process to make sure it's more efficient and can handle more people where we don't currently have and give more people a shot to go through legally. And uh, immigration reform is a conversation we could have. But we can't because, as I said before, you can't be uh, honest about a discussion about solutions if you're dishonest about the problem. And pretending that Biden, who has continued investing in border security, continued enforcing those laws, all of that is the reason for something happening that you're making up is happening, which is an open border, is absurd. Okay, then Lauren Boebert in this interview, <laughs> sorry for all that ranting, uh, got asked about her exchange with Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, I'd be negligent if I didn't ask you, all right, what's going on with you and Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene? 
Sean, I did not put my life on pause and leave my four boys and my now grandson um, to come here and um, just get in, in spats with people. I, I came here to legislate and to be effective for Coloradans, Coloradans who are suffering from the Democrats' policy. Marjorie is not my enemy. Joe Biden's policy, the Democrats, that is my enemy that I am combating right now. And I'm doing everything I can to make sure. Okay. So Marjorie Green had a very different reaction. She responded when asked about it and said, yeah, she's treated me like a little, you know what, <laughs> since I got here. Oof. Lauren Boebert is trying to play it off. It's not a big deal. Um, if you missed this story, I covered it over on the David Pacman show, so I won't do a whole story about it again now, but on the House floor reportedly, and it seems to be confirmed by one of them. Um, I think it was Marjorie Green called Lauren Boebert a little B. And it was over, apparently, Lauren Boebert. <laughs> American politics is so bonkers. Copying Marjorie Green's impeachment of Joe Biden. <laughs> hey, you copied me. <laughs> hmm. Congresswoman. Wow. <laughs> I've had some of you ask about the Robert F. Kennedy Jr. presidential campaign and why I haven't really, since the announcement, been talking about it. And some of that's not purposeful, just kind of not a lot of stories I was interested in coming out of this. But then some of it is purposeful because it stinks to the high heavens, this whole campaign. Most importantly, his horrible views on a number of subjects um, make him a really bad candidate. And also on a surface level, Steve Bannon's really excited about this candidacy. That's not a good sign in a lot of right wingers, even though RFK Jr. is running as a Democrat. And so it looks like maybe the ambition is not this from RFK Jr., but it looks like the only outcome this could serve would be to hurt President Biden's reelection bid, which some people make the argument that certain candidates and in certain situations could challenge someone like Biden, incumbent president, in a situation like this and sure lose and maybe risk hurting them a little, but possibly moving them to a more uh, progressive place in terms of policy during that process, that challenge, and that would be good. And I hear that argument. That doesn't apply here. RFK Jr. would not change Biden's policies for the better. No. Um, and so all around, it's bringing nothing good to the table. And it's bringing the possibility of bad in hurting Biden's reelection bid. And so that's why it just it's bothersome. It's aggravating. And uh, so I just avoid talking about it, I guess, because it feels like I'm playing into an attempt to get attention for something that's not serving a good purpose. Okay. So... Uh, and it's just not interesting, I guess, is another way to put it. And so with that being said, I'll give you a couple examples of these horrible views I referenced um, in recent stories I came across. But before I do, a quick PSA to our progressive community. Um, as progressives, we often find ourselves in conflict with, rightfully so, establishment, corporate, centrist Democrats, moderate Democrats, as they're called. Moderate, I don't like using that term because I think a lot of the policy proposals that we're for are very moderate but um that's kind of the term and often we we do come into conflict with those very democrats because we want to put forward a more progressive agenda that's good but then what i see that does and i might only be responding to a small part of loud people on twitter maybe my whole audience is on board from about to say um but definitely there are some people constantly screaming on twitter that give me this sense that some progressives feel this way don't let your brain, I'll phrase it this way, be broken by that experience of coming into conflict with those types of Democrats into where it breaks your brain into thinking that no matter what, 
whoever the more outsider uh uh kind of different candidate and new challenger opponent again outsider candidate is better than the alternative it's not always the case facts matter and i'm seeing people go well, I mean, maybe we should get RFK Jr. a chance because he's not Biden. Well, why? <laughs> what? Biden's a way better than uh, RFK Jr. And sure, Biden's thought of as the more establishment candidate. But I would much rather him running against Trump and just running against a Republican in general, whoever it is, than either RFK Jr. for sure or even Marianne Williamson. I know she's more progressive on paper, but she doesn't have any record to run on. Biden is the incumbent president who did a bunch of good things also incorrect things he's very flawed but he also has a historic pretty monumental legislative record and also he oversaw a historic unprecedented economic recovery and um unmatched to other when you compare other developed countries economies the recovery in the united states was way more fast and effective and in part that's because not in whole but in part because of the legislation that biden put forward uh namely the american rescue plan and so that matters. Legislative impact and legislative record matters. And uh, the incumbency matters. And yes, Biden has his flaws, both in his positions, I wish he were more progressive, and in the fact that a lot of people are concerned that his age is causing negative ramifications. Um, and those things are important, but that doesn't make him a worse candidate than Marianne Williamson, who has no record to run on and would be a complete risky bet or RFK Jr., who has horrible views on a number of subjects. So it's okay. You can feel that way, and you're correct. And uh, it bothers me when people think that, no, whoever's the most non-establishment necessarily is better. Did that apply to Trump and Hillary? Trump was way more non-establishment, and Hillary was way better. Um, and that can apply sometimes within the Democratic Party, too, in candidate quality. And Biden's the better candidate than anyone in the field now. Now, are there better people I can think of than Biden? Yes, they're not in the race, though, and they're not going to get into the race. And so as of now, Biden's going to be the nominee, and our energy should be put behind that. That's my view. Uh, feel free to disagree. But here's a couple things on RFK Jr. Uh, to talk about. This is from The Hill. Democratic presidential candidate R uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. suggested Wednesday that Russia has been acting in good faith in various efforts to end the war in Ukraine and place blame on the U.S., for the 16th month-long conflict, Kennedy said in an interview on Sirius XM's The Briefing with Steve Scully, the Russian President Vladimir Putin has repeatedly said yes to negotiations. <laughs> yes. You know why? Because the preconditions were wild. The preconditions were hand over your country, uh, not the whole country, but a bunch of your country to us. So you can invade a country now and then just have peace negotiations where you get a bunch of their land. I don't think so, as preconditions. And then here's another example of his detached from reality views. They're going to have the right to compel unwanted. This was during the heat of uh, the pandemic. Did medical interventions on us. We, you know, the Nazis did that in the camps in World War II. They tested vaccines on gypsies and Jews. And the world was so horrified after the war and we signed the Nuremberg Charter. And we all pledge when we do that, we would never again impose unwanted medical interventions on human beings without informed consent. 
And yet in two years, all of that conviction has suddenly disappeared. And people are walking around in mass where the science has not been explained to them. They are, they are doing what they're told. They are orchestrating, these, these government agencies are orchestrating obedience. And it is not democratic. It's not the product of democracy. It's the product of a pharmaceutical-driven biosecurity agenda that will enslave the entire human race. And then that doesn't happen, right? He made the, these predictions, and then that doesn't happen. And he's saying we were going to be living in Nazi Germany if we allowed certain things to happen, I guess. Businesses deciding um, whether or not they wanted their employees to be vaccinated or schools or um, if you're using a train or um, wherever these mandates were in place. It was never an actual by law mandate where you, were go you would go to jail if you didn't get vaccinated as they pretend that it was. But these guidelines and mandates that were laid out it didn't cause what you said that it was going to cause where is it where you told me that if this thing happened and then it happened that we would be in this dystopia and now we're not there because you were wrong well it's time to talk about another one of the interviews i did with trump supporters outside of the miami federal courthouse um during trump's arrest and arraignment and i put up many of you saw the compilation that kind of had highlights from multiple interviews squished together. Now we're going through one-on-one -on -one and looking at the more extended version of these interviews with parts we haven't watched yet and I haven't uploaded yet on the channel. And so today is of one of the most bunkers, and that's a word I use a lot to describe these, but it applies, um, interviews I've done in a very long time. And I'll first, like I said, show you what you have seen if you watched that previous video, then we'll get to just as wild part two that you haven't seen from this. What are your thoughts about the arraignment? Candace, you want to say we that? believe it's a witch hunt, but we do believe that President Trump is actually protected under the continuity of government. I believe he's our authentic president and that we are watching a movie. Oh, really? So he's the current president of the United States? I believe that. I like, believe that what Biden is Biden doing then? Well, Biden is, um, it's, we're under a co continuity of government. It's a military. Um, right. But I guess my question is, what does that mean? <laughs> action. And so they're showing the people in slow motion, the corruption and all the different uh, elements, uh, all the different agencies and the dual system. So they're saying, OK, if you want to steal the election, which they did, this is what you're going to get. So then how is Biden doing? in his role. Is he the president right now? No, no, Biden is an actor, but I think Biden is, has been gone a long time. That's how I feel. Gone dead? Gone dead. Who's the one walking around? Uh, an actor. Do we know who the actor is? Uh, there's different ones that play him. Everybody has actors, but I know it sounds so far-fetched, but they say that they're going to reveal it soon. Hopefully. It's sick of it. One of the interesting parts about this interview, as uh, we'll get to more in part two, is she so aware of how wild it sounds? A lot of people don't admit this is really conspiratorial sounding. I get it. Um, but she will say that multiple times. Um, and it's interesting. And then I'll ask her in part two, what would I have to present you that would change your mind? Who would I have to debunk? Who would I have to prove is lying to you? What evidence would I have to bring forward? What would I have to do? And she says, there's nothing. I, I just believe it and I'm going to believe it. 
it's beyond evidence. It's just a belief. Wow. Is, is, is protecting we the people. I do believe he's actually the king. It sounds pretty crazy. Instead of make America great again, it's going to be make the earth great again. He did deals with every country. And I believe it's going to be announced soon. It's called BRICS, B-R-I-C-S. So our financial system is going to be changing, but it's going to be good for everybody. And it's going to be good. Um, and the way that you talk about Trump, saving the world, king, do you understand why people see that as like, oh my gosh, this is becoming a belief in like a cultish or almost like a belief in Jesus. Yeah, well, I do believe it's biblical and we're fighting an evil system. So you heard it there too. She, um, or maybe you didn't, she says it off mic so it wasn't super loud, but she throws forward the term cultish as I was kind of finding my term there. Um, do you understand why people see this as sort of, and she says cultish? Again, an awareness of just how detached from reality both this all sounds and it all is but she wouldn't agree to that of course um and then here is the beginning of the second clip i'm going to show you um believing in freedom faith freedom and fair elections so then because trump is allowing what's going on to go on do you not blame him for for example people will say biden or the actor of biden is to blame for inflation or back when gas prices were higher or all these different things i think it's Americans are so comfortable they have to wake people up and um, it's waking them up because they're clueless and um, they said it has to be in slow drips because people are gonna really be very upset when they know all this stuff it has to do with even human trafficking all this horrible stuff Did so, you say you're a believer of Q yeah yeah yes I am and what about all the Q predictions that went like wouldn't you not trust whoever Q is because of all the predictions that haven't come true the storm right q is military uh uh just uh and, and it could be a variety of people but it, it's it's i don't believe it's one person but it's it's a um, it, it's people who have intelligence to share the truth ahead of time uh so that the people can step up and i think we were all asleep for so long and uh, they're helping uh, so that the people get together and say, no, we're not going to allow this anymore. And you can probably tell, I don't believe what you do. Sorry, quickly, this is not related to the conversation, but if you saw that flag kept smacking me in the face and the person was holding it, I was moving my body trying to get away from the flag and they were moving closer to me, just allowing it to on my face. So then my question often is, what would I have to present you to make you no longer believe in these beliefs, I guess. I don't think anything. I just believe in it with all my heart. <laughs> I don't know why. It's weird. I think it's weird too. And I think that it's normal to not believe it. It seems like a conspiracy. But uh, I think all the conspiracies are coming true, but at a different timeline than we had anticipated. But um, I, I. So you heard her say it there. I, there's nothing you could present me, show me, prove to me. I just believe it. And I understand that sounds weird. And conspiratorial but I just choose to believe it and uh, then the thing she says a lot of people say this well all the conspiracy theories are coming true now which ones <laughs> what I didn't ask it there but I've asked it in the past um, what conspiracy theories that kind of have been prevalent for a while within MAGA there are other I guess you could call conspiracies or things that were suspicions and then ended up having evidence provided uh, to prove them but in the case of q all these predictions about a storm where trump's going to be brought in and military leaders are going to 
take Biden out of the White House and arrest him and try him on treason charges or whatever. All these things, there'll be specific timelines laid out. By this date, blank's going to happen. In the Q world, this will happen. And then it doesn't. And there's some justification. Well, that's because of blank. Or by this time, Trump's going to take back over as president and then it doesn't happen. Why at some point would you not go, oh, maybe my sources aren't accurate. This is just an attempt to, I don't really even know the creators of these conspiracy theories, what the attempt is, but whatever it is, is not coming from an honest place. But that realization is not had by so many people, um, unfortunately. And it really is, as I've said in past videos, a belief not because of a set of facts that convinced you into believing it but a belief because of a choice to believe in something. The only evidence necessary is that I chose to, and that gets you into some dangerous territory. Make sure you are subscribed to this YouTube channel. Thank you very much. And thank you all for watching and listening to today's show. I will see you either on what I'm now calling the weekend bonus show, because a lot of times it comes out sort of late <laughs> Sunday night, uh, or if you're not a member on the Monday show.